keep that going if you would and just welcome all of our campus locations. We love you guys. You can kind of look at this graphic and try to see what, uh, what part of the graphic represents the campuses. Some of you will be able to figure it out. Some of you will be, I don't know, it's a little harder. If you don't go to a Durham Bulls game, you might not be able to figure out the Durham Bull represents Durham. There's a fire hydrant. Wonder who that would represent. I hear that is a big deal in Columbia. Welcome, by the way, to the Columbia campus, Garner, Sanford, Wake, Hillsboro, Durham, our Kenya campus, and all of you online, wherever you are. Come on, church, one more time at all locations. Welcome. Welcome. Before I even get into it today, I just want to let you know that I did some rough math uh, this week to think about how many people we have engaged in the faith outside of Sundays. And so Rooted is the big deal. We are maxed out at Rooted. But if you add up Rooted and other ministries, life groups, other ministries throughout the week, in this past week alone, you should know that at all of our campus locations, we had over a 1,000 people get out of their homes and engage the faith in Jesus Christ. That's exciting, church. That is exciting. Because the church and our faith is more than just a Sunday deal. Can I get an amen? That shows me our church is leaning in like never before. We started, we're starting a series today called Love My City. Everybody say, Love My City. And I don't know if you have um, really paid much attention to the rhythms of church life, but it is about to get crazy up in New Hope Church this fall. In our uh, life cycle as a church, the fall tends to be like a new year to us. All the kids are getting back into school. We've had the summer. We've done some evaluating and reflecting, and some of us have taken vacation time. But when we come together in the fall, it is always a big, exciting time in the life of our church. And uh, more so this year as we start this series called Love My City. Because I am going to challenge us in this series I'm going to challenge us to have a faith that is not just talk, but involves action. I'm going to challenge us to love a lot like Jesus. Can I get an amen? Anybody here okay with the Word of God challenging you a little bit during this series? Anybody, anybody like for the preacher to get up on your toes a little bit? I had a preacher in seminary, and I'd get going, and, and whenever I got going, I really got going. He'd be in the back, Dr. Turner, and he'd say, get off my toes, Kelly. Get off my toes. I love that brother. We need to have him preach here one day. But everybody who wants to grow in Christ knows that there'll be times when we're encouraged, amen? There'll be times when we're challenged. And I'm not going to challenge you. I'm actually going to let the Word of God challenge us in this series, again, to love more like Jesus. Open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. Take out these teaching notes right here. Grab that pen in front of you. We are going to go get this today. Luke 14, verses 15 through 23. 15 through 23. Hey, can I just say that that worship that we just did right before the message was unbelievable. 
come on now, to, to, to talk about the fact that we are a church where the wonders and the hopeless and the sinful can come home, and then the transition to, oh, how he loves us. That's perfect for this particular passage that I'm going to read today. And I know you just got settled, so just forgive me, but do you mind, do you mind just standing up in honor of God's word? We're going to read a parable called the parable of the great banquet. The parable of the great banquet. Luke chapter 14, verses 15 through 23. Here we go. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Verse 16, Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make, what? Excuses. Began to make excuses. The first said, I have bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I am on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Verse 23. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house may be full. May God add his blessings to the word and our hearing and applying of his word. Amen? Amen. You can be seated. Let me show you some amazing truths in this passage of Scripture. Again, take out your notes. If you're a note taker, take some notes. If you're not a note taker, take some notes. <laughs> number one, number one, let's just get right to it today. To love like Jesus, to, to actually be engaged in the mission that Jesus has called us to be involved in, to love our cities as Jesus loves our cities. Why in the world do we do that? Here it is, write it in. We want them to have what we have. Jesus. We want other people to have what we have and his name is Jesus. If you believe it even half-heartedly, can I get an amen? amen. It is very selfish thing to have the faith and want to keep it all to ourselves. I don't know if you do this. How many of you, like, when you're eating, be honest, you're in the house of the Lord. When you're eating, how many of you like to share your food? <laughs> just, just, others of you are like, don't you touch my food. How many of you, like, if somebody touches your food, you will take them out with a fork? Bam! And, like, I don't think anybody should touch anybody's food without permission. Agreed? But are any of you like me, like when I'm out to, to dinner or date with my wife or even with my kids, um, if, if I get something really, really good, 
I mean, it's like, this is, this is the bomb. Like, I don't know if you do this. I like, I cut pieces for them. I'm like, you gotta have this. You, you, got, you gotta try this. This is the best I've ever had. Last night, I was at a wedding, man, a wedding over in Raleigh, and there was this, this famous chef. I didn't, I didn't even know about her, but she's like one of the most incredible chefs, won all kinds of awards. The food was unbelievable. She had some macaroni and cheese. Oh, had the crust. Oh, I, I'm, get, I'm moving on. I got <laughs> I'm still thinking about it, but like I couldn't help but just keep wanting Amy Lynn to try, and she was right there with me. Like when I taste something good with my family, I want them to taste it because I want them to experience what is so good. The Bible says, come on, read this out loud with me. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Taste and see. Those who know Jesus want other people to taste and see that the Lord is good. We want to share this gospel that we have experienced. Two important nuggets about this passage, just kind of a side, is that Jesus is having lunch. You might not know this, and you'll miss it if you're not careful. So if you got your Bibles open, let your eyes go back to the beginning of Luke chapter 14. Jesus is having a meal in the home of a Pharisee. Now, if you know the scriptures, you know that the Pharisees got on Jesus's last nerve. And Jesus got on their last nerve. But Jesus is always showing us that it doesn't matter if someone doesn't meet his criteria. It doesn't matter if someone gets on his nerves. It doesn't matter what someone did last night. All that matters is that they experience the glorious gospel of Jesus. That's all that matters. And so Jesus would hang out with people that you would think he should not hang out, of the, out with. The second nugget is, make note of this, um, the next chapter is Luke chapter 15. Who knows what is in Luke chapter 15? We have a Bible study here pretty much every Sunday. That's what we do, right? We study the Bible. Somebody bless me at any of our campuses. Who knows what Luke chapter 15 is about? Exactly, you guys got it. It's the lost being found. So if you know Luke chapter 15, it's about a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a what? Lost son, the prodigal son. It is what, Luke 15, it is what scholars have often called the gospel within the gospel is Luke chapter 15. Now this is my point. Jesus in the Lucan narrative in the scriptures, Jesus is getting ready to teach the most important passage of scripture on the gospel within the gospel, i.e. Luke chapter 15, and he sets it up with this parable about a great banquet. This parable is so very important. And so Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. In other words, it's time to eat. At our house in the backyard, we have a dinner bell. I know it's a real Southern thing. How many of you, how many of you grew up with a dinner bell? Some of you are like, what's a dinner bell? In the South, if you have a dinner bell, when it's time to eat, someone goes and rings the dinner bell. Now, my kids don't do it anymore because they think they're too cool for it. 
But one of the things I used to love is when they were little, we, I'd get finished grilling outside or whatever, and I'd tell one of them, hey, it's time to eat. And they would run across the yard, and they'd crawl up on this little step, and they would ring the dinner bell. It was their way of saying, hey, it's time to eat. The parable of the great banquet. Don't miss this. Jesus is saying to every single person who knows him, listen, the banquet is beginning. It is time to eat, if you will. It's also images of a heavenly banquet that will come when, it, when our time is through. And Jesus saying, hey, go tell everybody it is time to come and eat and taste and see that the Lord is good. And if we're not careful, we can have these campuses around all of our cities. And if we're not careful, we can grow selfish with this beautiful gospel that the scriptures are crystal clear about. We should be inviting people to come and see that the Lord is good. The truth is, our church has been doing this for 17 years. 17 years ago, we started with five people in our home. And now, seven physical campuses, an internet campus, and the good news is you and I have been inviting people to come be a part of our church. And the great news is that God has been blessing it. Right? God has been adding multiplying the life and the ministry of New Hope Church. But here's what I don't want you to miss. It can be very easy to grow complacent and start to think that we as a church have arrived. Let me tell you something. Don't miss this. God has blessed us. Can I get a witness? But he has blessed us to be a blessing. We are saved to serve. We are one, come on, to win another. We are, why don't you read that first line for me? Ready? Go. We are blessed to be a blessing. One more time. We are blessed to be a blessing. And I know this message will stretch us a little bit. I know this message will challenge us a little bit because we kind of like to keep our faith to ourselves these days. But because I love you and because I want to preach the word and because I'm stretching myself these days, can I stretch you? Can I challenge you? Who knows what these are? Who knows what these are? Bungee cords. Bungee cords are incredibly useful. I, I never can have enough of them. And... Um, I keep them in my truck typically, and uh, I noticed for like the last three or four months, I could not find any bungee cords around the house. None. None. And I got a lot of them. Then one day, my precious, beloved daughter comes home from the University of North Carolina, which is only about a five-minute drive to our house. She comes home, and I go to clean up her truck, wash her truck up, and fill her truck up with gas. And guess what I found when I opened up the door in the little compartment of the driver's seat? Guess what I found? All my stinking bungee cords. <laughs> Daughters, man. Daughters. Like my boys know better. Don't you go, don't you go taking my stuff. My daughter knows she can take anything she wants. It's just, <laughs> it's just. 
it's not fair, but that's the way it is with daughters, and that's the way it should be. Amen? But a bungee cord is one of the most useful things on the planet if you need to strap stuff down or you just need to bundle stuff together. This is a bungee cord, for those of you who don't know. Bungee cords are pretty useless when they're not stretched. But when you stretch a bungee cord, it becomes very, very effective and helpful for what you are trying to do. Let me tell you something about us as individuals. Even though we might not like to be stretched, when we are stretched, we become far more useful. When we let God stretch us and we do things that maybe get us a little outside of our comfort zone, that's when we really become useful to God and other people. Here it is. Write it in your teaching notes. We must stretch to reach our full potential. Do you believe it? We must stretch to reach our full potential. Here's another one. Write it in. Our stretching causes other people to grow. Our stretching causes other people to grow. Here's a classic example, a classic story that uh, some of you will know just because you're history buffs. Um, it's about the four-minute mile. The four-minute mile. In 1954, a man by the name of Roger Bannister was the first man to run a mile in under four minutes. They said it couldn't be done. In fact, in 1864, a man ran the mile in about four and a half minutes. And the next 90 years, 90 years, men and women tried to break this four-minute mile. Doctors and studies and research simply concluded it can't be done. The lungs will collapse. There's no way a human being can run a four-minute mile. But watch this. What he did, Roger Bannister, when he broke the four-minute mile in 1954, for the next two years between 1954 and 1956, 129 people broke the four-minute mile. What happened? One man stretched. One man accomplished it. And by the fact that one man accomplished it, other people started to believe that they could do it. And the next is history. When we stretch ourselves as a church, and I'm going to stretch us in this series. When we stretch ourselves as a church, we reach our full potential. When we stretch ourselves as a church, we encourage other people to reach their potential. And when we stretch ourselves as a church, guess what? We challenge and encourage other churches to do great things for the kingdom of God. Number two, number two, here we go. We never stop investing and inviting people to church because some make excuses and don't come. If you will take my message today, and if, I need to stay over here, I saw a lot of you writing, and when I leave the plasma, it messes you up because they got the camera on that, so let me stay right here for a moment. We never stop investing and inviting people to church because some make excuses and don't come. 
if you will take my message today, and if you will get serious about inviting people to a new Hope campus, why? Because eternity rests in the balance. Remember, we're about to get to Luke 15, where lost things are found. If you will do that, I want to go ahead and let you know what will happen. Some people will make excuses, and that's okay. Look at what the, look at what the verses say. We read them earlier, but let's just glance back over them, if you will. But they all alike began to what? Make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field. Oh, and I need to let you know, this yellow part is not scripture. This yellow part, you can call it um, the BT, the Benji translation. This is, this is a little bit of, little bit of commentary, if you, if you will, from your pastor today. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it, stare at it, because staring at a field is more important. Please excuse me. Look at the next excuse. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. You know, to just kind of give them a little test drive. Please excuse me. Still another guy said, I just got married, so I can't come. In other words, if you happen to see my backbone, let me know. <laughs> so I can turn around and you can put it back in. Come on, man. Excuses, excuses, excuses. When I, when I first started this church 17 years ago, um, I, would, I would try my best to visit everybody. And uh, I couldn't do that very long because the church grew really quick, really fast. So, so then I realized I couldn't visit everybody in the church, but I still was committed to going out and inviting people to New Hope outside of the church. So I'm the guy who would get up and go to malls and just walk around and hand people cards and invite them to church. I'm the kind of guy who would walk through parking lots and put things under your windshield wipers, flyers for the church. I'm the kind of guy who would go to post offices and talk to people and strike up conversations and invite them to New Hope Church. And, and what I realized really quickly, and then I read this chapter and I put it all together, I realized that people will make excuses to not be involved in church. And then I created a little abbreviation, if you will, that helped me. If it helps you, great, you can use it. Uh, some of you might think it's too crass, but it's really not. I, I would say this when they would make excuses to me, SW, SW, SW. Why don't you say that with me? SW, SW, SW. Some will, some won't, so what? Some will, say it with me, some will, some won't, so what? And again, like I said, it might sound a little crass to some of you, but it wasn't, wasn't my way of being crass or mean-spirited to any of the people. They would make excuses, and I'd be good. God bless you. If you ever decide to come, we'd love to have you. But it, it gave me a way to realize that if people make excuses, they're not actually making excuses to me. They're actually making excuses and saying no to God. And if God gives them that right, then I should give them that right. That it's absolutely okay, SW, SW, SW. My job is to just keep throwing seeds out. That's a biblical analogy for you, if you will. Jesus says in John 4, the, will, the, the fields are white unto harvest. 
Verse 35, I'm not saying 35 and 36. Jesus says, send workers out into the harvest field that my kingdom might grow and produce fruit. We are just to sow the seed. Another place in the scriptures, Jesus tells a parable about some seed that fell upon rocky path, some seed that fell upon thorny path. You know the story. And some seed fell on good soil where it produced 30, 60, even 100-fold fruit. Some will, some won't. So what? Our job is to just be faithful and spread and invite people to the great banquet. Number three, number three, here we go, write it in. We will do the things no one is doing so that we can reach the people no one is reaching. Can I get an amen? amen. Most churches program to reach the already reached. There's a lot of church swapping going on today. A lot of people, because we're kind of into this consumeristic Christianity where everybody's all about me, 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 me. And if you dare say anything that upsets me, I'm going to leave your old church. And then I'm going to go to someone else's church until that preacher says something that upsets me. And then I'm going to go to another church. And then they're going to upset me because I don't get my parking place or my seat. And then they, what's interesting is they tend to circle right on back around to New Hope Church in about a year. <laughs> it's a fascinating thing. So we just let them go bless them. But, but here's my point. <laughs> What? <laughs> That's okay. Bless you. God bless. Now I normally think to myself, we'll see you again. It's, just, it's all good. Now you, you, you see these patterns after a while. Um, but, but my point is, you need to know this about your pastor. I, I really don't care about church swapping. In other words, I, I'm not interested in reaching people who come to us from other churches. Like, that's why this series rooted that we just came out of was so important. Like, I want us as a church, and I want people at all the other churches, to plant yourself. Plant yourself. Get rooted in a local church. Go with that church through thick and thin. Times are going to get hard. Times are good. But you need faithful people who are rooted. Can I get an amen? So I'm not real interested in getting people from other churches. I'm interested in getting people who are facing a Christless eternity in a place called hell. Now let me just say, I realize right there, for some of you that just got real uncomfortable. And it gets a little uncomfortable for me. Like, who likes the thought of people going to hell? If you like the thought of people going to hell, you need therapy, I'm just saying. <laughs> you need Thursday therapy. Um, nobody like, but that doesn't matter if I like it or not. The Bible is clear. There is a heaven and there is a hell. And real people go there. And that bothers me just as much as I hope it bothers you. But the important point of the passage is that we as a church are going to do whatever it takes to reach people so that we reach our cities. The greatest way, listen to me, the greatest way we can love our cities 
is not going down to the soup kitchen, which I'm all about going down to the soup kitchen. The greatest way we can love our cities is not going down and serving the homeless. I'm all about serving the homeless. The greatest way we can love our cities is to do anything we can possibly do to get them in front of the gospel of Jesus Christ where sins are forgiven, lives are saved, and heaven is populated and hell less so. That is the greatest way we can love our city. By doing anything we can do, listen to me, whatever it takes to get people to a New Hope campus so they can experience the gospel. Now, if you're sitting here and you're one of those people who can actually have the conversation with somebody and, you know, walk them down Romans Road of Salvation, that used to be a real popular method, or you can walk them through a a gospel-centric passage and you can lead them to faith in Jesus Christ, praise God for you, right? Do that. That is awesome. But here's what I know, and studies confirm it. That freaks most of you out. Like most of you do not feel called to be an evangelist and to sit down and personally lead someone to faith in Jesus Christ. Agreed? That's that's the majority of you. So the most powerful way in which the church leads people to faith in Christ, and this parable verifies this. And like I said, John 4 verifies it where Jesus says the fields are white unto harvest. Send workers into the harvest field. The most effective way for this church to take territory and reach people for Jesus. We know our mission is what? Reach, teach, and release. We exist to reach people with the hope of Jesus, teach them to follow God's word, and release world changers. The most effective way that we can do that as a church is that you and I leave our church every Sunday and we realize the mission field is not in some foreign land. That is a mission field too. But you do know, don't you, that America is now the mission field. We are a, I know this is bad news for some of you, and you can disagree with me all you want, but I I, I love you, you're wrong. We live in a post-Christian nation. Talking about something that bothers me. You think people going to hell bothers me. That bothers me too. We live in a post-Christian nation. So when you pull out of the driveway at any of our campuses, you are pulling into the mission field. The most effective way in which we as a church change the spiritual landscape of all of our cities, right here, all of them, is we go out into our neighborhoods, into our workplaces, into the places we hang out. If you do social life Friday and Saturday night, I was in downtown Raleigh last night. Downtown Raleigh is awesome. Downtown Durham is awesome. Columbia, all these places. If you hang out in different places, that is your mission field. And the way we see the kingdom advanced is that you... And I learn to have conversations with people. And we learn 
to not keep the fact that we are a Christian on the DL. Here's a question. Do people know you are a Christian? Are you ashamed of the gospel? Paul would say in Romans, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power unto God for salvation for all men. Do people know, and as they know, and as you interact with them, you are simply inviting them to church. You simply say, hey, we'd love to have you at our church. You want to join us? You invite a neighbor. Hey, you want to come to church with us? Why don't y'all just, just try that? Why don't y'all just, ready? Hey, you want to come to church with us? Come on, come on. You want to come to church with us? It's just a simple question. You don't headlock them. You don't stand on the street corner and beat a big black Bible at them. You just extend the invitation and people come. I want to show you something. I want to show you something. The servant came back and reported to his master that everyone was making excuses. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant. Watch this. Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. In other words, his first invite list, you know his guest list? He got his feelings hurt because the guest list didn't produce the crowd that he wanted. So Jesus tells this parable. Then he says, well, go back out and, and let's widen the net, if you will. Let's increase our guest list. Watch this. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still what? Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that, will you read this last part with me? My house will be full. Again, my house will be full. Will you do it one more time? My house will be full full. Listen to me and I'll wrap up. God likes his house full. See, you think when preachers like I say, like me say those kinds of things, you think it's just some preacher wanting a full church. God likes his house full of people. And if you're sitting here and you're just kind of having this, you know, the passage is about people making excuses. Some of you, I know, you've actually been making excuses as I've been teaching today as like why you, why you might not invite people or why this or why that. And some of you, as I'm talking about this, some of you are like, I, but, but, but I don't like a full church. <laughs> I, I, I like plenty of room in the parking lot. Come on. I see some of you leaving on Sundays all frustrated, huffing and puffing because the crowds. Some of you, like, I don't like a full church. Like, when I go in, I want to have lots of seat options at all of the campuses. I don't, I don't like God's house being full. I want to tell you something. If you don't like God's house being full, you are going to hate heaven. Because... Because heaven's going to be full of people. And maybe what we need is a heart check. And maybe what we need is to ask God to break our 
hearts. People ask me from time to time, hey, when's New Hope going to stop growing? When, when, will, when will the mission be accomplished? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Here it is. Here it is. We will stop trying to reach people at any of our campus locations when we can look one another in the eye and say, you know what? Nobody else in this entire city needs Jesus. Everybody is saved. That's, that's when we will know the mission is done. But if I'm not mistaken, there are still a lot of people, come on, around you who need Jesus. What do you say? We love our city so much so. We don't just say it. We don't just feel it. But we actually invite people to experience it. And so when you leave today, when you leave today at all of our campuses, the ushers are going to hand you brand new cards. We just redesigned them. We call it an invest and invite card. It's small. You won't be able to see it. But let me just tell you what it says. It says hope found here. Hey, have you noticed that the word hope only gets more and more popular in our culture? Have you noticed this? People are desperately seeking hope. Now we know, come on, hope has a name, right? And his name is Jesus. We, but everybody doesn't know that. But everybody's looking for hope. So it says hope found here, hashtag finding hope, New Hope Church. And you turn it over and there's a map and every campus has unique cards for their city with their city map on it to get to their location. And it says, come join us. And it's got the worship celebration times and the address. And I'm telling you, one of the easiest ways to reach our city for Jesus is for every single person at all of our campuses to take these cards. And they're around all the time. If you use them all, you'll be like, I'm out. What do I do now? We got more. And we have them at all of our campuses and they'll be on countertops and in the bathrooms and in your seat. They're, they're everywhere. You just get in the habit of grabbing these. You get in the habit of carrying three or four of these around with you. And when you're striking up a conversation, they don't have to be, you know, like strung out on drugs and like, you know, you just visited them in the prison. If so, that's cool too. But, but it could just be your normal neighbor who's looking for hope. It could be someone you run into at a gas station. I hand these things out all the time. It could be in the mall. It, you, you, know, you know a great place to hand them out? A great place to hand these out is to your waiter or your waitress. Now, you need to give a decent tip. <laughs> don't, don't, be, don't be like, I ain't gonna tip them, but I tell you what, I'm gonna give them a card. No, no, come on. Hand them a card, give them a tip, invite a neighbor, invite a friend, take it to a whole nother level and say, hey, can I pick you up for church? And then pick them up, bring them to church. You want to take it to a whole nother level again, take them out to lunch and talk about the experience. You want to take it to a whole nother level again, pay for their lunch, then tip the waiter and give them a card. This, all joking aside, this is how you grow the kingdom of God in the 21st century in a church like ours 
in a post-Christian country. You just invite them. You get them here together with all the world changers serving. We partner together. We sing. I teach. We present the gospel and people get saved. And you and I get to heaven one day and we're high-fiving one another because there will be people all over heaven because we partner together for the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is how we do it. So in the words of Forrest Gump, that's all I got to say about that. (laughs) Let's pray. Father, I thank you for a church that so desires to spread the message of Jesus all over the globe. And Father, I confess to you that sometimes we make it far more complicated than it is. And so I pray, oh God, that as we get into this season of fall and we get back in the routine of things, that we would remember that we are blessed to be a blessing. We are saved to serve the people in our neighborhoods and our workplaces and in our cities. And we have been one to you. Thank God we are saved. Our sins are forgiven. But we are one to win others. Father, would you break our hearts for the fact that there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people living around us, oh God, working around us, who don't know you. They have not tasted and seen that you are good. I pray that you would break our hearts for that. I pray that you would break our hearts over the eternal destinies of the people that we rub shoulders with. And I pray, oh God, that our boldness, that our courage would be increased And I pray, oh God, that we would simply find the courage to say, hey, you want to come to church with us? I go to New Hope Church. We'd love to have you. That God, more and more and more at all of our campuses, oh God, that we would show up week in and week out with friends of ours who don't know you. And then, oh God, we pray that the Spirit would move And that the lost would be found. Father, I thank you that the Spirit has moved here today. And the truth is, it would be so remiss of me if I didn't give us a chance right now to recognize and realize that there are people here who don't know you. They're here because someone invited them. Or they're here because they found us online or they saw a magnet on a car or whatever the case may be. And the truth is, as I've talked about the gospel today and I've talked about finding hope, there's something inside of you that is deeply desiring to experience that hope. And if that is you today, I'm just gonna invite you to 
Stick your hand in the air in just a moment so I can pray over you. Raising your hand does not save you. Only Jesus Christ saves you. But there is something powerful about just lifting a hand up to God, letting me possibly lock eyes with you and pray for you. So regardless of who you are, on the count of three, I'm just gonna ask you to raise your hand up. One, God loves you so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, into the world that you might experience forgiveness of sins, abundant life that starts here and now and will carry you into heaven. Two, God's son, Jesus, died on a cross for you. He spread wide his arms. He said, this is how much I love you. And on the third day, Easter Sunday, God the Father raised Jesus Christ to new life that we too, when we face earthly death, will be raised to new life in heaven forever. Three, just raise your hand. Just lift it up where you are. I want to pray for you. I see you over here. Yes, lift them up high. Yes, praise God for you. Yes, sir, I see you way back there. Raise the balcony, I see you. Raise them up. Yep, I see you, I see you. At the campuses, I know hands are shooting up even though I can't see you personally. There are folks who see you and God sees you. I haven't even come to this side yet. Wow. Yeah, hold them up high. Just lift them up. See you too right here. See you over here, ma'am. Yeah, see you folks over here in the balcony together. Praise God. Lift them up, hold them up just a moment and pray with me with the hand lifted, all heads bowed, eyes closed. Just pray this, Lord Jesus, I need you and I receive you into my life. Forgive me of my sin. I am a sinner and I need you to be my savior. I receive what you did on the cross. Thank you for the blood of your son, Jesus. Come into my life today, Lord God. Help me follow you all the days of my life until I see you face to face. And now help me, oh God, join the rest of this movement to care enough to share and invite others to come and experience the same. For we pray it in Jesus' name. And all of God's people at all of our campuses declared together, amen. amen. Come on, church. Yeah.